What's up? This is Menle Golakai Agri. And this is Lauren Yoshiko, and you're listening to Broccoli Talk, a podcast for cannabis lovers. On today's show, we're going to be talking with Yumiko Sakuma, who's an awesome writer and author of Pretty Radical Cannabis Truths Across Japan and Beyond. And before we get into that, I know you were doing some traveling, my international co-host. Did you partake in Belize on your trip? Hey, hey, I did. Um, I don't know if I'm covered by the statutes of limitations. Doubt it, because it's like three years. But I ended up did I ended up finding some herb from a really, really interesting like older Rasta man. It was so classic, but he also carved like these beautiful wooden bowls. You know, again, that that international vibe in terms of how to purchase and consume um, cannabis is always bizarre and always kind of scary, but she finds you. And um, and she did. <laughs> it's so unique. Case to case, like, you don't know what form you're going to find her. And like, if you're going to like how she looks when you do find her or she finds you. But it's always an adventure, country to country. It's always a, it is a trip finding it. But I did. And it was glorious. And, you know, at the end of the day, the the plant has, you know, created and like put out this fruit for you to be able to consume. And that that makes me happy. And that always sets my my mood into the right vacation vibe, you know, kind of in that same vein. I feel like lately I've been very reflectant and it sounds a bit like I'm a premature boomer. But I've really been missing that the, the old industry and just all the things that sort of entail um, in that sort of underground hash illegal market, um, you know, from like more sustainable packaging to even just the intention of people who are in the scene. And and that was kind of a refreshing reminder of what it is like in, in various spots. And so I'm dying to know what Yumiko Shakuma has to say in terms of the current status and like climate of herb in Japan. Um, so I'm super stoked to listen to this interview. So I'm excited to have you hear how the conversation went. Let's listen. Let's do it. My name is Yumiko Sakuma. I'm a writer by trade. I do write nonfictions for Japanese magazines. Most of the time, I also write my own books. I ended up writing a book about marijuana and its legalization and the history of it for Japanese people. Um, the title of it is Let's Have a Serious Chat About Marijuana. So growing up in Japan, now you've, you've, lived, you've lived in America for 20 years, right? Yes. What did weed mean to you growing up in Japan? I understood the ideas, idea of drugs. And I understood that there was a harsh punishment for those who choose to do drugs. But at the same time, there was a band in Japan that was called Taimas. Taima is marijuana in Japan. And there, were, there was a song about it that made me think that it's something that people enjoy, but people are not allowed to do that. Did they tell you about not doing it in school or was it just sort of like completely taboo and not even talked about? 
It wasn't even talked about in school, but you'd see a poster in a train station that says Dame Zetai, which in direct translation means absolutely not. So the, I, you know, I don't remember how I gathered that they were talking about drugs and、um, there's a harsh punishment for those who do drugs. You know, it, wasn't, it was such a taboo that people didn't talk about it. But then there are subliminal things that you'd see and you'd like gather in your head. Yeah, so you just kind of intrinsically knew that it was a bad, bad thing. Yes. And so then you moved to America. And is that when you had your first personal cannabis experience? I came here for a short term summer school, and that was in 93. And that's when I got so lucky to see one of the last shows of、um, the Jerry Garcia band Grateful Dead. Yep. Oh, I love it. I know. So that sort of opened my eyes to different ways to look at marijuana and other psychedelic drugs. Because you saw people having positive experiences with it? Yeah, it was like people were openly t a l k about it. There were cops who clearly knew drugs were being sold, but sort of letting that happen, you know, standing around laughing and stuff like that. So it was like a, a cultural shock to me. I bet. Yeah, I still remember that day. Did you think about that day when you decided you wanted to write a book about cannabis? You know, becoming a writer and all that stuff like happened way after. So I never even thought about writing a book. And it was something that I would talk about with friends. And, you know, friends visit me here and they would smoke. But it was still a secret thing that, you know, nobody wants to talk about openly. What happened was when the state of Colorado decided to fully legalize the recreational use of it, I thought. That was such a paradigm shift that I went to one of my magazines and said, I need to do a story on this because it's a huge deal. And I didn't go to a Japanese、um, publishing company, I went to Conde Nast and went to Wire Japan because I thought they would let me do that. So they did, which led to a book deal. And, you know, I didn't set out to write a book about it, but then somebody came to me with a wonderful offer. I had to like think hard if I wanted to do that because it's such a taboo. I have to talk to my parents and all that stuff. But, you know, it, in the end, I felt like it's something that I need to do, especially because I'm in this unique position that I don't live there and I could talk about it. As opposed to people in Japan are very afraid of talking about it. When I, I actually visited Japan just recently, it was my first time as an adult hanging out in Tokyo. And I actually was able to see a friend that had been my student, my exchange student back when we were in middle school. So she had lived with me in Southern Oregon for two weeks. And it was so cool to reconnect. We haven't seen each other in 14 years. And her boyfriend, she didn't speak much English, but she understood a lot. And I do not speak like any Japanese. I'm a fifth generation、uh, Gosei. So it did,、uh, language was faded a couple generations ago for most of it. But 
But when we were communicating, fortunately, her boyfriend was from Seattle and he was Nisei and was able to kind of be the translator between us. And and at one point, I wanted to ask him if he thought it'd be okay if I was honest about what I was writing about to my friend Konomi. And I was I didn't want to scare her because I knew that I'd been told cannabis was still a really serious taboo in Japan and that it's not like Oregon and, and that I should be careful about talking about what I do because it could be misinterpreted and there might be cops waiting for me outside the bar when we leave. So I kind of ran it by him and he said, you know, she's she'll be tough. She's totally fine. She knows I grew up in Seattle. I grew up in the Northwest. It was a part of my life. And then I asked him what the Japanese word for weed was, and we were in the middle of a restaurant, and he said to me, like, in the middle of a, of a busy, like, mainly youth-filled restaurant in the Shibuya district, and he was like, honestly, I don't even want to say that out loud right now, so I'm not going to translate it for you, but I promise you she'll be okay with it. And and it was such an eye-opening moment, like, just proving what you're saying, that it is truly that controversial to even, like, say out loud in public and draw that kind of attention to yourself it's quite interesting right because all i'm doing is basically writing about what has happened here and how it's benefiting people and people still tell me things like oh you gotta be careful you be on the list and i'm sort of like what list what kind of list are you talking about you know but it's been a surprisingly pleasant experience because people come to me thank me for having the courage to write this and talk about it people who have you know all kinds of medical issues because they feel like they are not in a place they could talk about it but they really want an access to it these are japanese people yes these are japanese people who are you know who have contact with like things that happen outside of japan and i'm also joined by activists and doctors who are open-minded enough to talk about it and advocate and i feel very fortunate and i i feel empowered as well so overall the the response sounds like it's been really positive Yes, I know. I totally thought that I would be a lot more heavily criticized. You know, I think people have been told these things are evil, um, harmful, dangerous. It makes people do crazy things. And that's what they've been told over and over and over again ever since that law was placed in 1948. We lost the war, GHQ came in and pretty much told them to ban it, even though there was no habit of smoking to begin with. And the native hemp that grows over there barely has any THC in it. And it's been, it had been used for ceremonial purposes. So there was no reason for them to ban it, but they banned it anyways. Yeah, let's back that up because I know that there is a history of of the cannabis plant in Japan. And while it sounds like the laws arrived kind of post-World War II or in the middle of World War II happening, and then basically that the entire hemp industry ended because of this new and kind of irrelevant cannabis laws. So prior to 1948, do you want to talk more about that relationship with the plant in Japan? We don't know much, actually, other than it 
had been used for centuries for ceremonial purposes, as well as to decorate shrines that we have. And farmers grew it for those reasons. And I don't think there has been evidence of people habitually used it other than, you know, maybe a little bit of、um, usage as a painkiller here and there, but it wasn't even like a common thing. And as far as I understand, so the, we lost the war in 45, and, you know, the I think the occupied force, which is pretty much the United States Army and General Makasi, they told the Japanese government you have to ban the possession, cultivation, and trades of marijuana, cannabis, and hemp. And the Japanese government said, okay. At least it, I, we, we also know that there were、um, op- opposition from the farmers. Who were commissioned to grow hemp for shrines and the government or the you know, emperor's family and stuff like that. But, and they tweaked a little, a little bit, but basically it came into effect. Is it still,、um, I mean, you talked about there are people who can get a hold of it in, in the party scenes and college age kids. Is it like, is it like America? Like, is the internet and, and things like Craigslist a way for people to get drugs right now, to get weed right now? I think people do that. You know, I occasionally see Twitter accounts and whatnot.、Um, they have their jargons and, you know, they get in touch with each other.、Um, there are Craigslist like bulletin boards where people exchange information about it.、Um, but, you know, when people get arrested, they tell cops that they found it at. Clubs. So that also demonizes the club experiences where like people actually go dancing, but cops and Japanese public in general think of nightclubs as a place for drugs to be exchanged. We're ruining the reputation of dancing for everyone. I know, because like they just can't tell where they get it from. That's a nice, like, anonymous scapegoat, doesn't get anyone in trouble. It's an easy out to say, I just found it at a nightclub. Need a CBD only pen? The Quill is a vaporizer pen for everyone, everywhere. No additives, no dilutants, no fillers, no flavors, and no weird buttons or complicated settings to mess with. The Quill is ready to deliver a sippable microdose wherever you are, whether that's on a relaxing hike or getting cozy at home before bed. Quill CBD now brings pure, full spectrum hemp extract to wherever you are. The hemp is grown organically in Oregon and processed just a few hundred feet away from the fields. To get your own, visit quillcbd.com for free shipping throughout the U.S. On Instagram, follow at quill.me and pass the quill. So, have people opened up a dialogue with you that are kind of surprising after, after they've read your book and, and learned that you're kind of a, a safe, open mind to talk to? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you know, I run into people all the time, and people would be like, even like somebody who I have worked with, he, this person that I ran into, he thanked me, and I was. Sort of like, what are you thanking me for? And he said he has glaucoma. 
And I had no idea. There's another lady who comes to my reading and stuff. She told me that she's been on medication to cope with、um, epileptic seizures. I had no idea. So it makes me realize there's a whole lot of people who are silently suffering from conditions that could benefit from having access to cannabis. And that's pretty eye opening for me. I also,、um, I'm pleasantly surprised by people who are open to this idea that it's a human rights issue. And this plant is not some chemically engineered thing that, you know, people came up with to medicate ourselves. You know, it's something that was around before us. I almost thought that I was the closed minded one for thinking that Japanese people might not get this because I'm so surprised by people's positive reactions to it. It just shows how many people were, are open minded and, and that maybe Japan's laws just need to catch up with the population, not that the population is so backwards and closed minded. Yeah, because there's like a huge difference in the、um, culture of writing laws as well, which, you know, Japan's、um, legal system is often compared to those of、uh, France and Germany, where they write their laws semi permanently, thinking that this would be in place for a very long time. Whereas the United States Constitution was written in ways that the Supreme Court Make their decisions down the line, depending on according to the, the, the way the society and culture progresses, right? So, is it really rare for a Japanese law to get amended? I do think so. You know, we are still stuck with this law that was written in 1948, way before we knew of THC or CBD or, you know, any of these things that we know now. So I'm curious what the Japanese government, how they sort of treat these new changes in the West. Like, is there, how did the, how did news stations cover? Uh, Colorado's legalization and, and some of these new legal cannabis industries. Like, is it talked about in the media? You know, very、um, selectively. The business media and、um, cultural media are a lot more open to covering it. But then, you know, mostly, most of broadcasting stations have been stuck. In this demonizing celebrities who get into trouble for having marijuana in their places. You know, they are depicted as,、um, you know, partying, liberal. I think the media, broadcasting media, tend to treat cannabis as a symbol of decadence and. You know, deviation and cultural corruption. And, you know, the gap between the way cannabis is treated by the broadcasting media and other more、um, news or fact, fact oriented、um, media has been widening. So, really, it's like they don't, you don't really see the acknowledgement of cannabis being legal elsewhere. And it's just, Continued coverage of how people who smoke weed do poorly in life. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But the, you know, you also notice how they consume alcohol like there's no tomorrow. You've seen people on the street just, 
you know, knocked out and sleep on the street. And the negative effect of alcohol or alcohol consumption is not even talked about either. Oh, so I, yeah, I was curious because, yeah, I mean, you see hard alcohol in the dollar stores and 7-Elevens, like full full bottles of whiskey, sake, whatever that are available. And, and so alcoholism isn't, is sort of just as taboo a topic. People think it's a way to release themselves. And I think that their lives are so stressful that this is like one thing that is allowed for people to enjoy. And because it's not demonized in a way that other drugs or cannabis is depicted, it is socially accepted. But people do all kinds of, you know, crazy things like including sleeping on the street. What do you think it would mean for the Japanese people to open their minds to being more comfortable about talking about marijuana? You know, I think it's a very symbolic thing. Um, Japan does have its root in ideas that are in line with using herbs for their wellness or eating seasonal things or, you know, having a life that's closer to nature. All that stuff was ingrained in our culture. Now, we have been also bombarded with mass production stuff and processed food and engineered food and all these, you know, things that ha- that human have invented. And that sort of has been disconnected Japanese people from the, you know, traditional values. And I think accepting the benefits of having cannabis in our life or even talking about it would help them reconnect to the basic ideas that we used to have in the Japanese culture. It's really hard to resolve this weird contradictory concept of a country that is old and wise in its use of materials from the earth and used this plant traditionally in hemp textiles and in sacred religious instances and yet now consider it something so extremely taboo even though these manufactured toxic forms of of indulgence and uh stress therapy are accepted even though they're way less japanese by definition I feel like it's also a form of recovering our rights to choose medical treatment. And, you know, because also we have become sort of a drug nation as well in terms of like, you know, prescription drugs. In America, I think the largest growing segment of legal industry consumers is senior citizens and people switching their pain medications to something more more holistic and something cannabis derived. When I was in Tokyo, I was shocked to see that there were some of those like hemp only CBD products in drugstores and like the discount stores. Um, do people look at CBD stuff as if it's not from cannabis? Like, is it really separated? I was kind of surprised to see these cannabis-related products in in a drugstore. Yes. I do think that some people in the industry are marketing it as a non-cannabis thing, or they don't even talk about it, um, which I think creates a lot of confusion. The other problem is that, so technically, our low bans the flowers and leaves of the cannabis plant, but we do allow stems. 
that STEM is not included in the law, right? So in principle, I think that the CBD products that make it to the Japanese market, in principle, is considered to come from STEMs, which has a lot lower effect, right? And do you think that's like common knowledge? Like people see that CBD product on the shelf and they're like, that's not real weed. Yeah, I do think that like it is talked about that it doesn't have THC in it, but not enough people talk about the fact that what we have in Japan comes from stems, you know? So it's an issue, I think, because there's so much money going into that market and people don't even realize this is like the diluted version of it that we have access to. And it's just disappointing to think about the people with real pain that are wanting to try it, that are curious, and then they go to a corner convenience store and try the CBD there and nothing happens. They're not going to think very highly of the possibility for cannabis to work for them. I know. So there there are a few companies that are doing full spectrum without, obviously, the THC in it. But it's very expensive, of course. And, you know, I, I, I know a few companies that are a good companies that are trying to lower the price of it. But it's a huge undertaking. So we're getting down to it. I wanted to talk about where people can find your books in both English and in Japanese. Well, there's only one. There's only one that's in Japanese. But I do want to write about my experience of advocating for this cause um, because I think it's quite interesting. Because we think of Japan as, and I think of Japan as uh, an advanced society. We think of it as a, a, you know, culturally savvy and sophisticated, um, cool place. In having written about marijuana in that cool hip place, um, it has opened my eyes to so many different issues in terms of what people think they know might be completely different from the reality. I was comparing my experience to like, I almost feel like I'm time traveling, you know, because I go to Japan almost every month. And the reality here and reality there are two different things. And it does remind me of the time that it was more of a taboo here. People believed the earth was flat for a very long time until they learned that wasn't true. And I think it's when something's been told to you and your entire society backs it up and the your lens to the outside world and other countries laws and cultures that all is saying one thing it's really hard to question it and until you get exposed to and have personal experiences in places where the culture is a little different I, I don't know how your mind can be open to it without without books like this out and available for you to learn about it and I feel like I'm I've been fortunate and blessed with opportunities to learn and question everything that was, you know, given to me as a as as knowledge and rules. And I think that as much as I complain about living in New York and living in the United States, like do people have taught me how not to believe everything that's, you know, fed to you? That is a huge tool in navigating 
during this time that we live in because it's very confusing and you only have yourself to think for yourself, you know? So marijuana to me is a symbol of all that. I think that's really inspiring. So where can people find more about your books? And uh, I understand they can listen to a podcast as well. Hello Future? Yes. Hello Future. Yes, I do a podcast with another friend of mine. It's It started out as uh, he was the editor-in-chief of Wire Japan, and he wrote a book um, at the end of his tenure. The title was Goodbye Future, so I wanted to introduce him back to the future again. And we're, you know, we often talk about innovations, and uh, um, but it started out with this idea that the innovations, all these technology um, didn't really solve the fundamental issues like poverty and, you know, democracy and refugees and, you know, all that stuff that we needed to step back. But we also um, look at the world with fresh eyes. And, you know, marijuana, the the issue of cannabis comes up all the time. Um, All my information is at sakumag.com, S-A-K-U-M-A-G.com. And all my books are on that as well well thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today and i'm looking forward to getting a copy myself amazing it's been pleasure talking to you lauren this episode was produced by anya charbonneau our music is by giselle garcia and our logo design is by jennifer wright learn more about broccoli and subscribe to the magazine at broccolimag.com If you're into the show, don't hesitate to rate and review so more cannabis lovers can find us. We appreciate you.